0: So go ahead and subscribe to us and follow along. The grace and the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with everyone gathered here, both in our sanctuary and in our family life center, as well as our extended JCBC family who is watching online from all different points around our neighborhood, local and global neighborhood. I want to welcome you into this time of study. As you can tell, we have begun today, we are beginning a brand new sermon series entitled "Vision 2020: Bringing Faith into Focus for a brand New Year." Um, as we do that, I'm going to encourage you to turn in your Bibles to John chapter, I'm sorry, Matthew chapter six. Uh, Matthew chapter six, and we're going to get to that text in just a moment. But first, we are going to pray, and, and I want to call us into a deliberate time of prayer. Sometimes, you know, when we worship, uh, you've learned by now, you've memorized when to stand up, when to sit down, right? you memorize memorized when to bow your head, when to sing. And right now is the time that we pray before our time of study. But I want to call us deliberately into a season of prayer, uh, both for our nation and our world. Last week, we had a wonderful worship experience. If you were here with us with uh, Rabbi Ottenstein, and he brought his, his cantor, Mike uh, Zuspin to be with us. We had a wonderful worship service that morning here at Johns Creek Baptist. Amen? Were you here? Yeah, that was a powerful time of sharing. But little did we know, but that morning would be revealed that there was, over that weekend, a, a stabbing at, uh, Hanuk- at a Hanukkah celebration in New York, and, and then later that afternoon we would learn about the horrific uh, church shooting in Texas. And then we watched as this week uh, our nation has experienced more heightened tension and escalated uh, violence between our nation and the nation of Iran. And this is time for us as a people to be in prayer. It's a time for us as people of faith to pray for the things that Christ has taught us to pray. And so he is the prince of peace and we pray for peace but we we do so in a posture of humility asking that God would reveal to us what is required of us to stabilize this world that God so loved (laughs) that God would send God's only son to die for all of it. So let's take just a moment before our time of study and offer a word of prayer to our Lord. God, we lift up this moment in which in a holy time and a holy space we we lift our minds and our hearts we lift our our guts we lift every part of our consciousness before you and we recognize that when we gather for worship we come to sing to you and to sing about you to give thanks for what you've done for who you are to adore you for what you are to us as Our creator and sustainer and redeemer. And in that exchange, it is never fully a true experience of worship until we recognize that this world is in need of transformation. And it's your love moving through our lives that brings that transformation. So this day, we pray for our nation, and we pray for your world. We recognize that anytime time there are moments of violence, any time that there is a heightened tension between people, individuals, families, nations, it is always the most vulnerable who are victimized the most. Always those who are forgotten, the weakest, the poorest, and we lift up them into your holy light and we lift ourselves up into your light that somehow in this time of worship you would reveal to us what is required of us to become peacemakers in this world. Will you in this hour transform our minds and our hearts so radically that we actually literally really leave this place more like Jesus, your son, our savior. Now we welcome you into this time of study, but we welcome you not so we can gain information. We welcome you not so that we leave here learning something, but we leave here transformed by what we hear. So we invite your spirit to move in us. Many of us have brought burdens into this time, into this space. We pray that for a while we may lay down our burdens before you so that we may be able to hear of a love that has never let us go. We pray these things in the name of that love, in the name of Jesus Christ, the face of God. Amen. Amen. Now, some of you know that my eyesight is going bad. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, your pastor, sooner or later, is gonna be like Mr. Magoo. Remember Mr. Magoo? You know, Laura may have to escort me up here. I'm exaggerating a little bit, but not really. I'm seeing some specialists. I've got some problems. I'm like, I got some pre-glaucoma symptoms. I've got like something wrong with my macula. I was born with it, Uh, whatever. (laughs) And so that means that I have to frequently go to the eye doctors, the different kinds of eye doctors. And i got to tell you, I have all the respect in the world. I love eye doctors, what they can do, what they can know, how they can help us to see. But I will admit to you, that experience is one of my least favorite experiences in seeing any of my doctors. I mean, you go there, and it's filled with a lot of anxiety for me. It really is. I mean, it's, 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 a, it's an eye exam. It's an exam that you can't study for, which is, you know. And there you're sitting in the chair and they're asking you to read things and they put this big mechanism in front of your face and then she asks you questions. Is it better with one or two, right? Is it better with three or four? Is this stronger or weaker? And the whole time I'm stressed out because I really don't know what to say because what I'm really thinking in my head is, it all looks the same, right? And so she will eventually have pity on me and say, is it better one or two? Or is it about the same? And it is. And so she tries to help me out a little bit by saying things like, okay, well, is, does, does this make it more clear or more crisp? <laughs> what, what are we talking about? Doritos? This isn't... Then we have another test, like the field of vision test, where you have to test your peripheral vision, and you click this clicker whenever you see a dot flash in there. And so if you see one in your peripheral, you know, and I'm, I'm really focused. They're like, just focus in the middle. I'm really trying. I'm trying so hard, and like I see a blip, so click. Good. I see a blip. Click. Good. I think that was a, was that a blip? I don't know if that was a blip or not. It could have been a blip. The whole time I'm thinking it could have been a blip. There's another blip, so I'm, oh, shoot, okay. So now I'm doubling up on the clicks and I'm, but the worst of all, the worst one is where the doctor looks behind your eye. You know, that's the one where he gets up close and he shines the light of the sun <laughs> into your eyes. One comedian said, it's like looking into your soul, you know, and it's a blinding light. But the problem is the... she's right here. Like her face is literally like two or three inches from my face. And I want to say in that moment, like two things. One, doctor, our relationship has not gotten to this point yet. And I just want to, you know, and number two, you could use a mint. I'm just saying you, you might need to see the dentist. It could be gingivitis. I don't know. But i got to do the thing in order to see. Because if I don't check the video, if I don't, I literally, if I take my glasses off, everything's fuzzy. It just is. It's like a 3D movie without the 3D glasses. It's just, it's wacky. Everything I do depends on seeing. I've got to read things, and I've got to study things, and I've got to write things. And and if my eye is not right, it affects everything else, right? Is this what Jesus meant when... Jesus said, The eye is the lamp of the body. In Matthew chapter 6, we read these words, The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? In other words, how you see your life changes everything. If you see your life, if you view your life through eyes that are distorted, if you, if you lean into every day and, and the, 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 the vision you have of life, the perspective you have is a distorted perspective. If everyone you meet is suspicious to you, if every new experience is a threat to you, if you're afraid of every new thing that comes your way in this normal journey we call humanity, if your eye is unhealthy, then all of those distorted views that you have of life will shape what you do about your life. It will posture you to live in a world that is worthy of fear and suspicion and threat. But if your eye is healthy, if you see that everything that we have is grace. If you see that you have been loved with a love that will not let you go, then your your whole body, your whole life is filled with a light that illumines and chases away the shadows. If you can see that you've been loved, you can love. If you can see in your neighbors and even in your enemies, the imprint of the image of a loving God, well, then your whole life will be filled with light and it will chase away every shadow that distorts life and keeps you hidden in the corners if you are able to get the eye right. Everything else gets right. Now, this is, another way to say it is, is, How you view your life shapes how you do your life. I wonder if you'll just repeat the first part of that with me. Repeat repeat after me. How you view your life shapes how you do your life. Again, how you view your life shapes how you do your life. So Jesus taught this every time he talked about the kingdom of God. He recognized that until you can see the kingdom emerging all around you, you you can't enter the kingdom. He he talked about it this way. He said that the kingdom of heaven is not some distant place at some distant time when this life is over. But the kingdom of heaven. We pray that the kingdom of heaven would come to earth. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In other words, the kingdom of God in the perspective of Jesus is a way to exist in this life. And if you can see it, if you can view it, you can do it. So he had this phrase, and he used it again and again and again. He would say, those who have eyes, let them see. Because if you can see the ethics of the kingdom of heaven one day, way out there, sometime in the future, if you can see it, let they who have eyes see. Well, then you can, you can embody that very ethic right here and right now. It's the word that we sometimes use is it requires a kind of different kind of seeing, a, a kind of proleptic vision. That's just a big, fun word that means seeing ahead of time. Proleptic Pro meaning ahead of time or before and leptic from the Greek lambano which means to hold or grab, take hold of. So prolepsis or proleptic seeing means to see something in the future and take a hold of it and bring it back to the here and now and live in the here and now as if the there and then has already begun to be born around us. Because it is. How you view your life shapes how you do your life. Now, why am I setting all of that up on this first Sunday of 2020? Because I want to ask you a question that could be a pivotal question for the rest of this year. How do you see 2020? The year 2020. How do you view the year? If I can get you to do something with me, you know, every year on Christmas Eve, we get together and we, we sing some songs, we light a candle from the Christ candle. And, and when we light the Christ candle, we recognize that it's the light of Christ that it illumines the darkness, that chases away the shadows. And we light our candles off of the Christ candle, and then we stand around and we sing Silent Night, and it's beautiful, and we weep. And it's just a high moment for us as a church, amen? But I wish you could see what I see when I'm standing up here, because what I see two times on that day, a couple thousand people. Holding a light, and I don't know what you're thinking when you're holding the light. It's not just pretty. It moves my heart, not just because it's beautiful, and it is. And I don't know what you think about when you're holding that light, but here's what I'm thinking about. This light. At the end of the year represents every moment in which Christ, the light of the world, broke in for me that year and dispelled every darkness, every episode that I could name by name, and so could you, public ones and private ones. And I'm holding that candle, and I'm singing Silent Night with you, but I'm thinking about every moment. It's almost an act of defiance, almost a subversive act of defiance that we are holding this light because we believe the Christ lights it all up. But I want you to think about Christmas Eve this year. I want you to proleptically look into the flame of your candle, your candle which will represent your faith. By the time you hold a candle and sing Silent Night this year, Will you be more like Christ or less or about the same? Let's ask the ophthalmological question. Will your faith by December 24th, 2020 be stronger, weaker, or about the same? Because beloved, the truth is in Christ. You are never meant to remain the same and certainly never meant to grow weaker, but there is never not a next in Christ. You are constantly being called to greater faith, to more love, to become by the end of this year more compassionate, more merciful, more capable of forgiving a debtor and loving an enemy. By the end of this year, will you be more patient? Will there be more evidence of the fruit of the Spirit? Will you have more love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control? Or will you have less? Or will it be about the same? Keep in mind, 2020 is a big year for our country. Will you be more like Christ? Or less? Or about the same? One way we think about this as I splash hot wax all over the front of the stage. One way to think proleptically about how will my faith be by the end of the year is by asking ourselves, how was it last year? Sometimes, in order to look ahead and view your life, you have to look back and review it. There's a preview and a Review. You know, we're in the month of January. Many believe that January is named after the Roman god Janus. And Janus, you know, is the two-faced god of beginnings and endings. Janus stands at the precipice between every transition. And it was said that Janus would always look back over that which has passed and forward to that which has not yet come. And in many ways, that's what I'm asking you to do right here on the first Sunday of January. Because last year, if you recall, during our shared life survey, I asked you a similar question. I asked you an ophthalmological question. <laughs> I said in that survey, when you think about your spiritual life and you compare it to where you were one year ago, is it stronger, weaker, or about the same? And these were the results 5263 said, I am spiritually healthier, it is stronger than it was a year ago. 7.89% said, I am spiritually weaker than I was a year ago. And 39.47% said, it's about the same. Now hold that stat up there for a minute because I want to point out uh, the good news is a majority, a simple majority of us said we are stronger now than we were a year ago. You know why? Because when I asked you that question, we were in the middle of Leviticus. (laughs) So we were stronger for studying Leviticus, right? But the other piece I want you to look at, if you combine the 39 and the 7, that is what? You know, math is hard, but 46, 47-ish percent of us said, I am about the same or worse spiritually. And I am saying to you, my beloved sisters and brothers, it does not have to be that way this year. Where will you be when you light the Christ candle next Christmas Eve? Will you want to have more of Christ seen in your life, less of it? Or do you want to be about the same? And I know that when I ask that question, there's a variety of emotions that you may be feeling, thoughts that you may be thinking you may hear that and say, you know, I've just just—I've never really thought about that. I've always kind of gone into January or gone into my spiritual life in the same way. It's going to be the same as it was. We're going to go through spring and summer and fall. There'll be these big events. I'll go to the concerts. I'll do the thing. Sean will talk a bunch. And I'll go to Sunday school. And never even considered the possibility that maybe I'm supposed to be at a different place in 12 months. Here and here. Here. And for others of you, when I ask that question, where are you going to be when you light your Christ candle? It may haunt you because you recognize that right now it might be that you feel as if your flame is already flickering and is about to be snuffed out. It's about to to go out because you've had some doubts, you've had some fears, and no one has said to you, it's okay to have doubts. That doubts and fears, well, that's the stuff that faith is made of, and maybe you fear that by December, your flame will be completely extinguished. And I am saying to you, it does not have to be that way. In the New Testament, there is a writing, 2 Timothy uh, chapter 1, verse 6, reads this way. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you. On this first Sunday of the year, can I just tell you that even if you have the tiniest inkling of a hope to be stronger by December than you are now, even if you have the most minute desire to grow in faith, it's enough. All it needs is to be fanned into flame. And I want to suggest to you a real way, a practical way to fan into flame The faith that is in you this year because how you view your life shapes how you do your life now in your worship guide that you received on the way in and if you didn't receive one on the way in get one on the way out because on the inside is an insert I've placed our core values our seven core values as a church now listen you're in corporations you're in businesses and you know that almost every business has a set of core values and I'm saying to you that this is more than that for me. This is more than a set of core values that runs the institutional church, not at all. These are seven values that we say at JCBC we actually believe matter the most. And I'm sending this to you during this series each week, not so you can take them home and memorize them, although that would be really impressive, but rather, what if? Somewhere in each of these seven core values, there is a holy invitation to somebody here to take a new step of faith. In each of these core values, there is a holy, divine nudge God word to do something you've never done so that by the time you make it to December and you light that Christmas Eve candle, you're able to literally, truly, really know that you have grown in the faith. The first core value is excellence in worship. We believe that here. But what if your holy invitation for you, I'm talking about you, is to, for the first time, ask yourself, is there anything I worship more than I worship the Lord our God? And is there anything I need to lay down at all false altars so that I can bend down at the one true altar and and commit myself to coming to worship every Sunday. Somebody here, some family needs to decide right here at the first Sunday. Listen, I told a contemporary when we opened up service in the FLC, I told you guys over there, I said, hey, well done. So far, you've attended all of the Sundays in 2020. It might be that for somebody that is your holy invitation to actually truly get here when we're here. To be here, but not just show up, but to actually be present. To bring your struggles, your doubts, your concerns, your pain, your sin, and lay it down, all of your fears, so that you can be transformed one week at a time all the way as we march toward December 24th and we hold up the light and say, yeah, we really did see the light. Or it may be it's time for somebody to start singing in this choir. Hey, oh, I got I thought I thought they were awake back there. It may be that somebody needs to play an instrument on the stage in the contemporary service. Now none of us are talking, about it, I bet I can get an amen from them in the FLC. Amen. I'm sure it was really loud. It may be that you need to hold a door open, hand out a bulletin. It may mean that you need to volunteer because excellence in worship is made excellent because we bring our whole self to it. And that could be your way. Or it could be that your core value that is inviting you is theological depth and diversity. And we believe at JCBC that we are not afraid of diverse thought. We are not afraid to swim in the deeper waters of faith rather than splashing around in the shallow waters of sameness it might be that this year christ is inviting you to befriend someone who you know believes differently than you so that as iron sharpens iron you both grow in faith It might be that it's time for somebody to start reading something. Somebody to start praying about something. Somebody needs to come and begin to serve in our Sunday school ministry so that our theological depth and diversity is a constant invitation to never splash around in the shallow waters, but to always swim where we can't seem to find our feet. But we are held by the current of the God who is the river, yeah? It might be that your call may be in authentic Christian community. We believe here that authentic Christian community is what Christ intended to establish in and among us. So it may be that somebody here today decides to join the church. This is a family I want to belong to. I want to belong in. I want to believe in. It may be that it's time for somebody to join a Sunday school class, but... But it might be not just about joining a Sunday school class or a small group. It may be that if you've been coming to Sunday school for 40 or 50 years, it's time for you to recognize now is the time to become vulnerable, to become transparent. And we go through our motion, we do our thing, we do the Bible study, we do the prayer request, we pray, we leave to go to worship. But maybe now it's time for me to actually share from my own wound so that someone else who is wounded will recognize they are not alone. And in our mutual transparency, we find safety and strength, and we actually leave stronger. For somebody this year, God may be calling you to actually be a part of building authentic Christian community. What will you do? Or it may be that our fourth core value, the, the gospel of Jesus Christ and the growth of his church. It may be time for somebody this year to realize that you've been rescued not simply to be rescued, but you've been rescued in order to rescue. Maybe this year is the year when you learn how to share your faith with someone and lead someone into faith in a way that is not creepy, in a way that's not off-putting, but in a way that's so compelling that they, they can't seem to get enough of it. It may be that God has put one person or one family in your path. And it's your call to love that one family into faith by Christmas Eve. I'm going to say a whole lot more about that next week in a sermon that I'm titling, Uh, Who's Your One? But maybe this is your holy invitation to think about who God has placed before you so that you invest your passion and your love in loving them into the church. Or it might be that the other core value, congregational courage, is where God is asking you to step up and step out. We believe here that we are a congregation, uh, congregational courage uh, drives what we do. We're not afraid to, to have the hard conversation. We believe that we make strong, difficult decisions because we do it together, discerning the spirit who is in us and among us. But I'm here to tell you, as I always have, congregations who are courageous are only courageous because they are made up of individuals in that congregation who are individually cre- uh, uh, courageous in their journey with Christ. It might be that this year, your holy invitation is to take a risk for Christ, to be courageous, courageous enough to step into the risky realm of adventure where you perhaps don't know where it's going to end, but Christ is the one bidding you to come. Somebody listening to me today is being called in 2020 to take a big fat risk on God. And it may be that some of us, are, our holy invitation is in core value number six, uh, responsible Christian stewardship. The way we talk about stewardship here is that this is our opportunity to participate with God in reconciling the world. And it may be that somebody here has never learned how to begin giving financially to the ministries of the church. And maybe what you've given cumulatively has been zero, zero percent of your income. What if 2020 is the year when you you take the risk of giving 1%, 2% so that you as an act of worship will be participating with God in the ongoing reconciling of the world, the peacemaking that our world desperately needs right now. And it could be the very last core value. It could be a missional consciousness where every member is mobilized to serve. When we say those words, what we mean is we really believe God has created every person with the capacity to serve the kingdom. And you know, in 2020, we're hiring a mobilization pastor. We're launching a brand new mobilization ministry that will be designed to make sure every one of our members can discover and live out his or her God-given calling to use your passions, to use your abilities, your skills to be able to serve the kingdom of God. But whatever it is that is calling you in 2020, wherever your holy invitation is, and maybe it's in many of these core values, the truth remains that how you view your life shapes how you do your life. So my prayer for you this week is this. May you learn this week to envision Christmas Eve 2020. And may you somehow proleptically begin to see the flame that will represent your faith story in 2020. And when you look at that flame proleptically, looking ahead as if it's already happened, may you be able to see a life that is a blaze with God, a relationship with Christ that is intimate and full, And relationships in your own life that are reconciled. May you look into that flame and may you envision a steadiness of mind and a stability of heart and may you know, even now, that if you can view it, then with God's help, you can do it, even right now. Let's pray together. God, we recognize that you are calling all of us not to less faith and not to faith that is the same as it was last year, but you're calling us always to be ablaze with love. You're calling all of us at all times to move further into faith, to walk by faith, to live by faith, to love by faith. And we recognize, Lord, that seeing it is the first step. But doing it is where it all matters. I pray that someone today would recognize that even if they have an inkling of a hope for deeper faith and stronger, vibrant love, we pray that they could see it and even if they have an inkling, that they would know it's enough for you to fan it into flame. Lord, we pray for the full scope of this year. We pray for all of the known and all of the unknown. We pray for every Decision that we know we will have to make in every unknown crisis that we do not yet know we will have to face as individuals, as families, as a church. And we pray that you would keep our eyes so fixed upon the flame of Christ, the light of the world, that we would move toward it confidently. In the name of Christ Jesus, we pray. Amen.